those people sitting in cash right now in a low interest rate environment who haven't done anything about it or haven't looked at their asset allocation and their TSP, whether they're in or out, you don't want to backdate it and look at what you could have made this year in the stock oh, market. Right. We're not going to do that. But what you can do is get proactive and do something about it mm-hmm. for the upcoming head and tailwinds that will surely yeah. occur as, as they will for all time. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? All right, welcome to Expertish Podcast. I'm Jay Johnson, and today we're talking to Devin Devereaux. Morning, good afternoon, konnichiwa. <laughs> and uh, Devin is actually my financial planner. So I was going to say he is a financial planner, but also I do business with him as well as many members of my team and a lot of our clients and friends, just because, you know, once you build trust in someone, that's kind of how it rolls. Everyone goes to them. So Devin, thanks for coming on today. And we're looking thanks forward for to uh, some insight into things that I don't understand as well as you do. Likewise, I'm sure I'm going to learn a few things as well. I've been looking forward to sitting down with you and the team here and looking forward to diving in and talking shop with you. Awesome. Well, I believe that we've done a lot of damage by people being so scared this whole year, closing down gyms and stuff, because I think the absolute best thing is to stay healthy, live your lifestyle and have a positive attitude and not not fear because I mean, we both know that mental attitude is like, that's a killer, man. If you're scared and worried and stressed and not working out eating like shit, there's no way you fare better than if you would you know, continue to work out, eat well, positive that attitude. Huge. That is one of the biggest thoughts that I've been thinking about as, you know, I used to compete, but although I don't compete anymore, I'm in the gym five times a week. Never, nothing's yeah. ever changed for me yeah. in terms of my relationship to the gym. So to see California in particular get slapped back into phase one multiple times, shut gyms down and do all this. Yeah. I'm so confused when they do that because proactively staying healthy is mm-hmm. good for everybody. And if there's yeah. incentive to go to the gym with, you know, proper restrictions and guidelines that they want to put out and work out outside, fine, yeah. great, adapt. But people want to stay healthy right now. And yes. if you don't proactively stay healthy, fitness first, you know, people talk about spiritual and mental health. Mm-hmm. I am one of the people that believes that that comes after physical health. I, I agree. So yeah. those are great things. But if you're not physically healthy, and you're not getting a dopamine or serotonin hit, Yeah, your emotional and psychological and mental well-being is really, really going to suffer. And you're going to struggle, you know, yeah. to get some of those hits. And maybe you get them, you know, mentally by thinking that you satiate those hits by eating too much or, you know, binge watching Netflix, you know, right. whatever it might be. But right. the physical, having that as a, I think, as a precursor to the mental and spiritual for me is I know that it starts, you know, there first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well-being as far as some people just almost shut down and like, oh, I'm not planning anything while this is happening as opposed to, hey, cool, let's make a plan and move forward both financially, business-wise, all those things. We doubled down when it shut down. And I think we talked last year and it was like, all right, cool. When everybody shut down, let's grow. And I think the mindset of that is big too. I love what you said there because there are some businesses Mm-hmm. that really don't have a choice in some ways, I think, 
to grow because there maybe is a capital restriction there. Right. You know, and, and that's, let's face it, all businesses at some point have capital restrictions. Yeah. But, you know, if we take certain restaurants, for instance, there are certain mm-hmm. gyms that aren't able to adapt because of the lack of space, parking, et cetera, you know, weather in Chicago, they can't eat outside. All, right. There are some pieces there that sure. it's hard to think bigger, but I think many businesses that you've worked with that I've worked with in this time who have adopted yeah. what you've thought is they view this as an opportunity to yes. grow and they know that the landscape is going to change with or without them. So they use this time uh, where everybody's kind of up in the air and doesn't know what to do to, to gain some market share and get ahead yeah. and transition their business. So by the time the rest, the 80% or whatever that, you know, Delta of what's left over with the general public gets mm-hmm. used to, you know, what the new norm is, they're already up and running and off to the races on what's next, you yeah. know? And it's like, I really admire those type of business owners. And similar to you, we've done that with our business as well. We mm-hmm. said, okay, let's view this as an opportunity. We happen to be in a business where we could make differences in people's lives with investment insurance planning. Let's yeah. go to work and yeah. let's get back in a deeper sense of touch with our clients and more mm-hmm. integration and outbound correspondence to clients and potential clients of ours to say, Hey, this is what we do over here. We know that everybody's thinking about this. We could help. Right. We know you're thinking about it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's true. And we did because, you know, everything did go to a standstill for a bit because no one knew how things were playing out. We were like, right. Couldn't even conduct transactions for a couple of weeks, but paying for like, you know, keeping paying salary and then also paying, uh, you know, other agents that was paying their fees and dues so that they, you know, cause I just didn't want them to get behind during the time that they couldn't really start growing their business. But we get down to, I think my business account got down to like $104, something like that when we closed like four with a lot of clients. Yeah. Yeah. And that was cool, but I was okay with, I was thankful that I had a few months of, you know, to be able to cover that. But then that work we put in while things were closed down, uh, once it did start hitting, then it was cool. Everything was fine, but yeah, had to have some faith there because it was, I was about to be going back into personal accounts again, you know, (laughs) top ramen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things with respect to what you just said, Jay, Mm -hmm. A cash flow crunch has been one of the biggest, I think, financial planning, debt management strategy questions that my team has gotten this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody always wants to do well in the stock market. And we could view that as offensive in some ways and growing Mm -hmm. and accumulating wealth. But with respect to the debt management side and or the cash flow side to running a business, that has been a big one for a lot of people and figuring out, okay, how much do we keep in cash? How much do we keep in our personal accounts? How do we treat that? And I think one of the things that right now is very unique and you and I have discussed this, you know, to a degree, and you're well aware of the interest rates in in your world for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, the federal, the federal reserve, regardless of what they decide to do in their next meeting and, you know, what they choose to to strategize with within the new administration, even though it's a separate branch, you know, an entity, obviously that could change, but at least over the last quarter, they have actually explicitly come out and say, Hey, we're going to keep and maintain interest rates low up until 2023. That's Mm -hmm. really valuable for a lot of people to understand that because if we could keep interest rates low, there's great entry points to do things like get into property as mm-hmm. an example. Right. But there's also opportunity out there with some convergence and understanding from some of these banks that are getting some pressure from 
hopefully the federal government, which I think they have been, but are a little bit scared to loan out money to small business owners, not just here's a check coming from the printing press yeah. of what we just, you know, spent 900 billion this time, whatever it is. And, and that's great there too. But yeah. For specifically, I'm talking about business owners. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody on payroll, $2,000 or $600 is not going to do much for you. Yeah. So for business owners to maintain or actually create a relationship with banks and banking institutions, financial institutions to secure lines of credit, Mm-hmm. at all time low rates right. to avoid and alleviate the cash crunch of diving into their own personal investments, et cetera. That is a big process that we work on with clients in introducing them to bankers that fit their business and that their yeah. ability to repay back notes, et cetera. So it's been an interesting year with respect to that debt management conversation and getting people in a safe spot where they feel comfortable growing and say, okay, let's increase our business. I'm not right. worried about this personal side of things, you know, and not everybody has that, you know, deep down business owner gut, like you do, you're saying, you know what, I know this is going to work. I'm, I know I'm going to win. You know, right, right. some people need a little bit more help. <laughs> I'm thinking of one of our clients who has a hundred people on payroll and he's like, I just need a little bit more confidence. You know, I yeah. don't want to do that with my personal account. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm afraid to go the other direction. If I lose that confidence, then it's who knows yeah. what happens. Then so. it may not come back. <laughs> yeah. I just try to think maybe it might even be fake confidence. I don't know, but I just try not to think the other direction. Yeah. It's just like, there's no option, you know? We're, we're going to make this work. Well, I mean, you, you know, like when I first came to you, I was just starting. So, you know, I'd already, well, I had screwed up, uh, paying off some, paying off some things and stuff. So I was starting from, uh, you know, negative to start the business. And so kind of, uh, it, that's kind of been, I guess the go-to from, from day one, you know, as I started it kind of in the negative and, you know, come came to you, uh, and started planning from, net below zero of like, all right, cool. This is going to happen. Where do we get there? But I do think that that mindset makes a huge difference because it, you don't, you never think of it like if, or, or, you know, could I, or something like that? It's like, Hey, Devin, let's make a plan. How do I, how do I take care of some stuff, uh, you know, for the future while, while building this up. So yeah, Yeah, it's a good language that you use too, because you use the word if, there are a lot of what ifs that come up. And as a business mm-hmm. owner, you have to, you know, say thanks for sharing sometimes about those yeah. what ifs. I'm going to take a calculated risk yeah. and I don't really care about those what ifs. And yeah. then somebody like myself might come into the situation and helping design a plan and saying, Hey, do you want to re-examine a couple of these what ifs? If this happens, do we need to think about X, Y, and Z? Would you like to? And then of course, you know, what is the cost for the solution? You know, whether it's investment or insurance planning or, you know, the integration of both. Yeah. But just to back up, I, I'd like to just mention one thing because when I first met you, mm-hmm. not everybody is like this, but you were in a specific situation that you had gotten yourself into as a function of a care quotient. You mm-hmm. had cared about people in your family and that was more and friends and family. Mm-hmm. And that was more important despite you transitioning the way I look at it into a new business where you were, you know, brand new, but you had confidence in yourself and the what ifs you operated with a care quotient first, took care of that and let that money go knowing mm-hmm. that you could always make more and that we could work on and designing a strategy, which we've done and accomplished right. in a lot of ways and are continuing to do. But I think that that's unique too, within this current COVID environment, yeah. 
I try not to say that, but anyways, <laughs> within this current environment, you know, it's like you try to go through a, a, a meeting and not actually reference the rules yeah, for yeah. the reason, you know, but like Harry Potter or something like that, whatever <laughs> that bad guy is, they never say, but you know, you, you come back to it and you operated with a care quotient and a lot of businesses right now that retain these employees are getting a chance to operate with that care quotient and create a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. And not that there wasn't trust there from the get-go, but that trust is now different from just working in a professional relationship with somebody. Now it's like somebody's family because they've gone out on a limb and right. showed that they're actually willing to fork over their own dough to make sure this business works and put their mm-hmm. money where their mouth is and make sure yeah. that there's food on the table for their employees. And that's a huge, I, when I see that with business owners right now and do it with their own family, with everything that we're going through, I mean, it's incredible because nobody's really there saying that they're going to bail them out. It's their own care quotient choice on what to do, just like you did getting into this business. So that's I, just, you know, while we're talking about this, yeah. I don't think I've ever expressed that to you. You know, sometimes we just look at finance stuff over here and say, okay, Jay, I see what you did here. Here's the solution. But mm-hmm. really, as I've thought about it over the years and understood what your personal situation was, you operate first out of a care quotient and then, you know, secondarily comes you know, the monetary aspect, because you believe, you know, I would understand that you believe that you could actually create the wealth that does actually grow on trees. You could make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that's, well, I mean, because the, the people we care about and surround ourselves with, uh, those are the, the people that are important, you know, like if the business yeah. goes away, those people are still yeah. in my life, you know, even if, right. if, and, and there's the, if that we won't, point, say, yeah. won't, but, um, if business failed or whatever the case is, you know, those yeah. are the people that still be there, but those are also the people that would have my back if I needed anything. So it's not like if something failed, it would be like, Oh, I know that there are people that have my back if I did need support or help to keep something going or whatever the case is. So, and it's just easier when you have your own, if you kind of run your business by your values, as opposed to just as a, you know, a net sheet or something like that, a balance sheet, then I think uh, it makes it a lot easier. It makes decision-making easier to be totally on, on a lazy side of it. It just makes decision-making easier. It makes decision making easier when you're operating from that moral guise of your personal life and your belief systems versus operating, you know, and defining yourself through your business. You know, it's like if something happens to me and I think you and I have joked about this in the past, it's like, okay, (laughs) if I'm not here tomorrow, I hope that at my service that somebody's not like, oh, Devin Deverell, that guy, he was a great financial advisor. If, mm-hmm. if that happens, Jay, please check them at that service and, and talk about me as a person. <laughs> well, I'm going to say Devin had phenomenal hair. Like, do not overlook that hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that over. Oh, he was a great financial advisor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I do. I 100%. I 100% agree, though. But that's also why... Um, you know, that's also why we connected when we spoke, cause we spoke several times before, um, we started doing business together and everything because, yeah. um, you know, it's better to, I think anyone that you're doing any kind of business with, especially something with your finances, um, you, you really do need to trust them and, and have some type of relationship where you feel that they've bought into your success as well. And then after we build that, then I, I trust enough that like I send other people that I care about, you know, your way, because right. I know that you'll take care of them. So I think that when people run their businesses similarly, they naturally end up teamed up yeah. to work together. Word out of my mouth. I just started thinking about the word team as you were yeah. saying. That. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah.
like, as you were saying, you know, when we, we first started, I was in different situations. So I was looking for different things. And one thing I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit with you and let you mention to other people, everybody is different. Everybody has a different situation and their situation does change. I think we spoke on that a few minutes ago, but where I was in the beginning, we took the time and you did uh, basically a discovery, discovery discussions and, uh, you know, shoot, almost felt like tests on a couple of them, you know, I had to answer some questions and stuff, but just to find out things like my risk tolerance, really see where my goals were so that you could understand what they really were. Cause sometimes when we try to explain those to someone and we're don't have the words clearly in our head, we just know where we're trying to go. It takes a little bit and it takes a little skill from someone like yourself to draw out what we are truly trying to get to and then help build that roadmap. And I think you can't just under-recognize how important that is because I feel like that helped us get it right the first time. You, you know, right. we haven't had to make right. adjustments. And so, I mean, we will as things change and stuff, but but from what my goals were, what you helped me decipher what my goals were and from my situation, we got it right the first time. We haven't had to change anything in what, three years now or something like that? A little over? Yeah, it's a it's a great talking point, especially within the context of not just finance right now, but I yeah. think a lot of people's just goals coming into the new year, mm-hmm. you know, reevaluating. And, you know, in terms of finance, if we can elicit, you know, that feeling that you just talked about, like, not that you're taking a test, but to get down to the root of what you really want to accomplish goal wise, right. Um, with certain questions that get you to think about it in a different manner, not right or wrong, but just how you actually feel, you know, and it's like, we could be as technical as we want with language and words, but if we could get down to what your feelings are emotionally and attached to that, that emotional quotient, Um, that is a lead indicator, I think, in terms of practice management and best practice from people who do what I do. There are other great ways I'm sure that people do that, but I see the best advisors tend to lead with an emotional quotient first. And I definitely try and do that. One of the things that's unique is if you have somebody in an accumulation stage of their life where they're growing and building wealth, right? That is totally different you know, without even looking at who the person is, just to make a distinction stereotypically from a macro standpoint, that's totally different than somebody who is not necessarily looking to accumulate wealth, but they're looking, maybe they're, you know, they're done working, they Uh raise their kids, they don't have a mortgage anymore. They're looking to distribute and preserve their wealth for, Mm -hmm. you know, the next 20, 30, 40 years. Right. That I think from a goal standpoint, emotionally, may need to have a bit more of a check-in because Mm -hmm. if we're taking distributions on an annualized basis or semi-annual or even greater, well, if they're taking distributions from something that's tied to the capital market space, you know, the stock market, well, that, that does this. I mean, it was down negative 30% in March. And so you might've had a growth accumulation mindset 20 years ago, but, and we were okay taking that negative 30% dip because we didn't right. know we didn't need to touch the money for another 30 years. And it right. was just buying low and it's growing, growing, growing. So, you know, in a lot of ways we're in an accumulation phase, but when we get to that distribution phase, we're going to let the lead indicators of our goals really dictate how we manage that account mm-hmm. versus, you know, I think a lot of people because of the news and how, and 
the news is just that overarching, you know, commentary because of all the right. information that's being thrown at us. It's very hard to turn uh, some of the noise down and realize that actually that's not my goal. My right. goal is not to chase return and act on every little bit of information that I see or hear from the water cooler conversation down to the network that I follow. Right. The goal is to get back to who you are and what you want to accomplish. So for instance, if you're in an accumulation phase of your life and you want to buy property three years from now, part of the strategy, knowing that we have a low interest rate environment is to not have those dollars sit in a low yielding, heavily taxed account, like a checking and savings account. Right. Let's develop a strategy so that you can invest grow that money with the proper risk tolerance over the next three years that is different than the risk you might take for 30-year accounts. Right. But let's grow that so that you can have a down payment for a property here in San Diego or in the United States, wherever you're you you know you're buying. That is the goal. And so despite people thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, interest rates are so low right now. I, I got to buy property now. Well, hold on a second. You didn't save that money. So you yeah. get into that house and then your house broke and then, you know, the toilet goes out and you're borrowing money on a credit card to fix the toilet. We could have solved that maybe in a year with a little bit of planning and perspective and savings yeah. and realize that interest rates have to change. And on top of that, you know, figuring out how to build that team yeah. to bolster that goal and actually execute on it because we're just one piece over here. You know, the finance side, a lot of times, you know, the integration with our team is understanding who the CPA or tax professional is, yeah. who the estate planning attorney is, who the real estate professional is, you know, and what does those individuals teams look like? And how do we integrate to do this in a, a timely manner that actually is suitable for somebody's time horizon and risk tolerance? So yeah. I would just add that last piece on there to the great point that you make. The time horizon really helps dictate to getting down to the goals and establishing that risk tolerance for those segment of dollars, whether it's in the capital market space, like the stock market, or let's say a different market, like real estate, right? right. Both different right. markets, but certainly have a time horizon and risk tolerance associated with them. Yeah. I just love what you're just explaining about the planning part of it, that, that making the plan. And one of the things that we've talked about, well, two things. One, I stole some of your kind of introductory stuff from like our first meetings. So even oh, with good. buyers, <laughs> for instance, so we've made our own questionnaire form and stuff that's it's not so, uh, it's not super probing, but it's really something to use to balance off of conversations. So we send, they can submit it and it's very subjective, you know, answers of like what they're looking for, whys, whens, and then balanced with the conversation we have uh, over time of seeing what people's kind of natural tendencies are we can then look and have that up front and set those expectations or make sure we're going the right plan as far as searching for that home or, or right. what they're comfortable with, because not always do what people write in a, you know, succinct little sentence or just a short answer match with their conversational tone of yes. what they're looking for. So I kind of stole that from you or who they last spoke to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we kind of stole that from you. And then of course, Maya, you know, she orchestrated into a, you know, good. Good. I'm glad it's getting used because I, I don't know who I stole it from, but I stole it from somebody too. <laughs> hey, that's, I mean, that's, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Find something that yeah. looks, you know, that works and then steal it and adapt it to your, your own situation. But, uh, but I think that that's huge because it does help you get yeah. to the truly what the goals are and, and what they're trying to get to. And your point about the planning as well, 
call. It's something that we talk about. Uh, like I, I've had, like, you know, especially your friends, you can be pretty brutally honest with your friends. Like I have a friend contact me one, you know, someone I talk to regularly, but once it was kind of the real estate side of it and it's like, Hey, right. uh, Hey, you know, I just really want to get this condo. I want to like, you know, get into something, certain areas, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how it can help. Whatever. Cool. Yeah. I just, I just want to pay off this. I need to do this. I want to do this. I'm like, okay, cool. So when you're serious, let me know and we'll, we'll get going. Like, well, I want to, it's just, I think by the beginning of the year, I can do this. So my conversation is always, all right, let's start here and talk to a lender and see where you really are, you know, like what you really qualify for. And then the follow on would be like, you know, if you're not, if you have a financial advisor, if you have an account, stuff like this, like, let's see what the real impact is where you really stand and make a plan forward. Like, I don't care if you're buying in two years, three years, or you're trying to buy in six months, make that plan, make the first steps towards that plan. And then if they say, Oh, well, I know I need to do this. So I'm not ready to do that. Um, you know, yet then I'm like, all right, cool. You're, you're never going to get a house. Like, and, and, and it, I would only say this to my friends, you know, but it's true. It's like, until yeah. you're ready to take, make a phone call to at least find out where you currently are, you can't move forward or you won't move forward 99% of the time. I, I agree with that. 99% of the time or whatever the number is, it's definitely a 90% plus confidence interval yeah. out there. If you don't have a plan, you could have the best dreams in the world, but you will not be able to accomplish and execute them. You cannot execute and accomplish your dreams typically without a plan. And the bigger the dollar amount is, the harder that's going to be to pull the trigger on that. And for most people, buying a home is probably the biggest dollar amount that they're going to need to pull a trigger on in their life. So right. if they don't actually have a team that knows what they're doing in helping bring those goals out of them to understand what the plan is of what they truly want. But at the same time, in my experience right now, and, you know, working with business owners, you really get this feeling working with doctors as well, small business owners, you know, very similar in a lot of ways. Once you have a diagnosis and a plan, you can feed them the information right. and they, if the trust is high and they're able then to say, okay, I got that. Let's do it. Boom, boom, boom. But unless that trust and the plans established, you could put that information in front of them, feed it to them but there was no strategy on how to execute in their own mind. They didn't understand it. If they don't understand it and it doesn't click for them, that that's their plan. And emotionally that the steps make sense, they're mm -hmm. not going to do it. And to make sure that that's as simplified as much as possible, just to talk to that specific point of getting into the goal planning phase. If that's not definable in bite-sized pieces for most people, they're not going to pull the trigger on a major decision. But if you could synthesize some of the complex language and information, you know, Albert Einstein style of, of bringing that theory of relativity into, you know, one equation or a simple thought, that's going to be really helpful for most people, especially major decision makers. They want it right. in bite-sized pieces. Just like when we go to the doctor, you know, and I think about this working with some of the physicians that we're working with, the docs that we're working with, I want to work on diagnosing and getting a treatment plan together just like you do. But unless we have a diagnosis, we don't have a treatment plan. Right. We got to have the diagnosis first. We got to diagnose what your actual goals are. Right. Well, 
something, and I know uh, you, we, we were talking earlier, so I know you read a lot. I wish I could remember. I never remember what books I get things from. Um, and yeah. when I say, when I say read, just like we spoke of earlier, I mean, what I listen to on Audible or Blinkist. So um, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what that means. But you mentioned earlier dopamine too. And like I read, and I don't know if you've yeah. read this too, about how dopamine is, is actually released more in the pursuit. It's like the little little victories versus, you know, people think of it as like skydiving or something like that, but it's really right. a yeah. type thing. And, yeah. and I, I think that's what, you know, when people say you build momentum, I really believe that that's the biggest part of that. Like you, you set out a plan and then when you hit little milestones, it does kind of reinvigorate you, you get that sense of yeah. momentum and, and it continues through. But if you don't have that plan, you don't really have milestones or you don't see a progress, you right. know? Right. And with so, the big things, Rome wasn't built in a day and there's no way it ever will be. So you right. have to have the little benchmark checking a milestone to actually mm -hmm. get to the end result. And buying a property is the, the best example I could think of off the top of my head. You don't want to buy a property today, but right. unless you have a VA loan and you could go, you know, dial that in at 0%, mm -hmm. that's going to be a really tough nut to buy it off. There might need to be some phasing and sequencing there for right. you to get to that stage. And we got to check those off all along the way on your side, on my side, on the CPA, you know, dot, dot, dot. Right. And well, and, and if you have that plan, a lot of times it's a lot faster and a lot easier than you would think it would be. Um, yes. you know, because it's, it's again, going to your team and going to the professionals, they can put you on, on the track that they have seen and helped formulate over and over and over again, as opposed to, you know, kind of shoot from the hip and like, I think this is the direction. Um, right. And well, that, that team too, on the selfish side, I, I, I like trying to keep our team like of people all together. So I think you also had a call with my accountant right before the holidays, right? I'm actually speaking to her here in this year. I think oh, okay, she's on gotcha. our calendar in the next couple of weeks, I think. Okay, yeah. perfect. See, see, that's the best way to keep your... I'm excited to talk to her. Together. Yeah. Just put them all... Everyone works with everybody and then it makes yeah. it really easier to easy to uh, communicate all those things because um, I need a lot especially of help a lot. The, especially with tax professionals. You want yeah. to be on the same side as the tax professionals. And every right. year that's reinforced for us at the end of the year because people are trying, you know, business owners are all trying to get money into their accounts at the end of the year to lower their tax liability. Right. And so being on good communication with those people, you end up creating a really great team. If you have a tax professional that holds the glue with some of the real estate teams, financial planning teams, estate planning teams, that yeah. tax professional is so crucial. If you plan on making money in this world, don't try and do your taxes yourself. No. Go hire somebody and put the liability on them and have a professional do that, it will save you more money than you ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to save you more money than you'll ever spend on it. I'm just, I'm just going to call in and hijack when you guys have your meeting and just be like, all right, yeah. cool. while you're both, while you're both here together, this is about me now. Yeah. yeah. But Gene, uh, I, I actually, you know, there was just one, one thought yeah. there um, just to go back. I wanted to show you actually something, and this isn't a plug for this book, but uh -huh. this was a gift that was given to me. And actually it is a plug for this book. And this is called the daily stoic. So this is a, a day by day and you can read it anytime during the year and you turn the page to the day. And this is done by Ryan holiday and Stephen Hanselman. This is a book that was given to me as a gift by a friend of mine who had hired a hundred people for this company. 
and really is a very he's a he's a total rock star he's a total all-star but in the midst of hiring these people he was really working on his own meditative practices with these stoic philosophers some of these stoic philosophers are the guys like you know seneca marcus aurelius they have a lot of their quotations adapted for you know, this world here today. And I think it's a helpful hack right now because we've been talking about going through Audible, Mm -hmm. getting back to the margins with a book that you might reference meditatively on a daily, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. daily check-in and daily space. Mine happens to me in the morning where I do my coffee and I do my little ritual in the morning. I do my reading before I get involved in any of the emails and businesses and things on my phone or tablet. I'm able to dive into something like this that's hard reading and set up some of those small wins and benchmarks as part of my own plan on a daily basis to right. create some of the momentum to eventually get to the spot you know, that you want to be ready for. And when you get there, you hope that you are ready for it. And with some of these things, you know, for me, I get so locked in and reading business books a lot of times within my profession to step outside and think about things right now, like mortality, Mm -hmm. Uh, to think about things like life, what life looks like after you transition out of this life in the midst of running your own business and doing this, but also with the backdrop of what's happening in in our own world right now, it's been really powerful to have this daily stoic in this daily check-in, you know, and thinking about some of these stoic philosophers and all the time that they had spent philosophizing without cell phones, you know, back in the day and being able to rip some of these tidbits out and apply them to your life because you end up seeing them firsthand. You know, there's, there's very few people I think that we know this year who haven't lost someone that was close to them. Mm-hmm. And so if I could impart one, I think hack or takeaway for 2020, it's to get back to reading a book maybe on the daily basis that's non-audible. And then I think one of the other things, you know, that's come to mind, and I actually saw this reinforced by Alex Honnold, who was, are you familiar with who Alex Honnold is? I am. Uh Yeah. So I don't know, maybe this was a year or two ago, maybe he's totally ahead of the curve, but it's in my world right now. You know, we're doing this call right now. (laughs) And this is all, you know, going to be baked in and repurposed and social media and all this stuff. And it's so great because it's part of our businesses and this is what we need to do. And it's fun. You know, there's great things that come from it. But the time suck that I get lost in scrolling through an Instagram feed is vicious. It's a vicious portal into a dimension that doesn't offer a lot of times a lot of return from a dopamine standpoint, like we're talking about or anything else. It's just endless. Right. So to remove some of those apps on your actual main device and put them on a tablet somewhere else that you check Mm -hmm. in once or twice a week. What I've done here at the beginning of this year with my own personal planning, we're doing business planning this week for the actual business, but the personal planning, I had made the decision to actually remove and delete probably about 50% of the apps on my phone. So I went the other way this year and started to decrease the footprint that I have in the digital space in terms Mm -hmm. of my time suck and check in on a daily basis. And I could say in one week, we'll see how this goes throughout the year, but I'm one week into this. Yeah. I have more clarity and time and space, you know, even in a conversation like this, I feel it to think about the things that are really, really clear in my mind that I want to accomplish on a daily basis, like meditating, checking into an actual physical book you know, having these type of real conversations versus 
yeah doing everything like that so an yeah. interesting to segue in this conversation that's you know i thought fitting to bring up uh, no i think it is fitting and i think uh one thing that i i think kept me in a good mental space most of this year is i did very little i mean you know obviously with business and stuff you do you do some social media i try Have to keep to. up yeah, you yeah. do. And then, you know, I'll keep up with some family and friends on their stuff. But I just stayed yeah. away from almost all of it. I don't care what your opinion is on an election. I don't care what your opinion is yeah. on COVID. I, I don't care. Like everyone has their opinions and that's cool. They don't have to impact me. Um, I don't watch yeah. the news. Uh, you know, any, any info, most of my info I get is from, I'll get from foreign to, you know, I would rather watch like, I don't know, yeah. like pull stuff from BBC or something to get really what's going on. But yeah. yeah, it keeps you in a good mental space because you just don't get trapped in all the garbage. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I've had to stay very Swiss, you know, uh, yeah. in my position For and sure. with the headwinds that we've all faced this year, you know, in finance, say, for instance, people always want to talk about what's on the news and what's the yeah. stock box. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll post a quarterly piece, you know, on LinkedIn mm -hmm. or Instagram. And that quarterly piece will be something in a conversation. If the conversation really gets derailed, I'll say, hey, after our call, um, I'm going to send you a link of what I posted and you could get some ideas in thorough detail on our right. thoughts on the matter. And it right. shuts the conversation down quickly, you know, yeah. and there's a, a great way that the social media is, we're leveraging it, you know, to hopefully save time. But at the same time, it's, you know, you got to put some time into it to develop that type of stuff right. and, and that outlet, um, if you will, to reference. But yeah, that's a, a really good point. I, I felt myself doing the same. I, I don't want to get involved in those conversations because no. actually many times they're actually not correlated to what your goals are. If we're getting back to that emotional point, who right. wins the election? It doesn't matter who wins the election as to whether or not you decide for your family, you want to own a home at some point. And people could say, well, this prop or that prop. Okay. Fair. Outside mm -hmm. of that, let's get back to it. Do you still want to own or do you want to rent? What's the answer? <laughs> yeah. Let's get back to the goals. You know, it's like, there's always going to be these head and tail winds that are there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's endless. There's definitely endless, a, uh, a couple group texts where a few people would send, uh, on yeah. like election night, like, Oh my God, I'm like, can't believe this is crazy. You know, whatever. And I'm, I'm going at the time I was, uh, putting together my home gym. <laughs> I'm just like that. I'm like, Oh really? You put together a home gym. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because nice. I mean, just in case, like now, you know, yeah. cause I did move, um, like in June. So I'd start over. So once I could get stuff, I, I, um, built the home gym here, but it was literally, I remember nice. because I was down there putting, you know, installing bolts in the wall and I'm yeah. group text. If you're like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't watch this, whatever. And I'm just going, dude, what, whatever. And you're like, go then, build a gym. You'll forget about it. Do anything. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Are you watching this? And I was like, no, I'm putting together my gym because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do start working and I'm going to do the same thing I did the day before and my life won't change. You know, I've did my part. Like I went and voted. So whatever I voted, I voted. And then it's out of my hands, you know, for, for right. at that point. So it's like, dude, like focus on what you can change instead of you know, duty check. See you guys later. Let me know how the outcome turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know how many, what my taxes are going to be. Let me know what impacts are going to happen because I <laughs> don't have right. control over it after that. You That's know, right. uh, you know, and practicing for the last 12 years, you know, you talk about taxes, the last 12 years have been the largest tax overhaul that we've really ever seen really since the 1980s. Um, and that was the 2018 Trump tax change. And that overhaul was so massive in its implications 
that, you know, when I think about it today, what we do over here is, is in a lot of ways, it's like, okay, what are the rules? Yeah. All right, let's figure out the solutions. So it's like, do I want to pay more in taxes? Now my gut response is no. Right. But I remember when I first came into this business, the guy who I was training under my mentor, if you will, was an old school insurance agent from Paducah, Kentucky. And he was massive. He was like six, five. And he had all these Yoda phrases and everything. And he goes, Devin, you want to be in the highest tax bracket or the lowest? And I thought I was like, uh, I guess the highest. And he goes, you're damn right. Right. You want to be in the highest tax bracket. And it hit and I'm like, Oh yeah, <laughs> it's an easy question. I'd always rather be in the highest tax bracket. That's right. a get to. If you're in the highest tax bracket, great. Let's figure out a solution because there's a lot of them out there that we could get crafty with that are within guidelines of compliance that everybody else is doing. You don't yeah. need to let all that money go. You could keep some of it. And mm-hmm. you know what? You could do something very valuable with that money, whether it's build something, buy something or give it away, you know? Right. Well, two, I, that, that kind of leads into a couple really good things. And one being, uh, you know, the tax bracket thing, a lot of people don't understand. And, and there was times I didn't either because you yeah, know, the military was W2, complicated. you know, and I understood yeah. a little bit from my investments, but that was it. But a lot of people think too, Oh, I hit that tax bracket. They don't realize their whole income isn't taxed on that new bracket that it's stair stepped, you know, and yeah. that's a huge difference. Like stair step. Oh, you yeah. know, Very, it's not, yeah. yeah. Like you cross that threshold by a thousand dollars, that thousand dollars is taxed at that, not, you know, the other 300, you know, that's right. So that's right. the um, United States, the tax code is the tax code. Of the United States is very unique. And yeah. a lot of people I think have their own opinions about it. That's fine. Sure. Um, but when you study the tax code, you understand that it is a complete system. So it's mm-hmm. actually a full circle, you know, it's a system. Yeah. And although the system, you know, I think tends to favor, right. You mm-hmm. know, the tax man, so to speak, or the tax yeah. woman who are in 2021 pick your poison or however you want to plug that right. in. Although it might favor that it is a complete system and mm-hmm. that's very valuable to work in a complete system. And with respect to that system, there is a marginal stair stepping, as you had put it, yeah. bracketology to the tax code. Right. So the first X, Y, Z bracket of money block, if you will, $20,000 is taxed at X if you're single and right. Y if you're married, filing jointly, so on and so forth. And so as you make more money, it marginally increases. And what's confusing oftentimes, I think, within tax planning is when people reference, well, my marginal tax bracket, the highest marginal tax bracket today under this tax code currently, and this might change come 2026 or if Biden steps in to impact the tax code prior to when the 2018 tax code was set to sunset in 2026, the highest tax code today for ordinary income Mm -hmm. is 37%. It was 39% prior to this. That means that if you make a half a million dollars, essentially as a single person, anything over a half a million dollars, and the tax accountants will go crazy over this. This amount. You make over half a million dollars, you're taxed at 37%. Right. But if you make a half a million dollars, your effective, your marginal tax rate is at 37%, but your effective tax rate is not 37%. It is the average of that first bracket, second bracket, third bracket, which started at 10%. Right. Right. So you can make up to $60,000 in this world. Yeah. as a single person and you could only be taxed with 10 and 12%. Those are the first right. two tax brackets. Right. So that's interesting because the effective tax rate there, this is just federally is only like 
eleven percent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. ten and twelve percent. Take the average <laughs> of the difference. Anything under sixty thousand. And the reason we get there is because there's now a standard deduction of twelve thousand. So if you make right. sixty, effectively you're only paying tax on forty eight thousand dollars. Right. Right. Pretty good. So that forty eight thousand is effectively taxed at eleven percent. First block ten percent. Second block twelve percent. That's right. really really favorable for most people who are generating ordinary income. It's not yeah. going to get likely more favorable than that. And that is, and I think it's just a huge thing to understand. And that's where it comes back to knowing the people to ask, you know, and people right. to go to, to get right. the true scoop. And, right. um, you brought up the tax code tax being a system. And I think yeah. that's something else that people sometimes it really is. And I think people misunderstand. Sometimes we touched on it a little bit when I did, um, a podcast with Amory, you know, who's, my account. Right. Yeah. Uh, we touched on a little I'm bit with that. I hear that. I haven't heard that. I'm going to check in on that. Oh, okay. Podcast. Yeah. Is it posted? I think that one did last week. I think it was last week. Okay. I'm going to yeah. check that out today. Yeah. Yeah. And we touched a little bit on that too, because people misunderstand that, you know, like, oh, well, you get out of paying taxes for this, or I don't want to do this because I have to pay more or whatever the case is. And I haven't heard it referred to as a system before, but I think that's a perfect explanation because there is a system to it. And the thing is people don't always recognize that the government is incentivizing us to do what they need. Like if they're giving you deductions for certain things, for instance, you know, the one I'm obviously most familiar with are uh, like real estate investments, right? Right, it's, right. And if we're talking say investments in single multifamily homes, whatever, they're giving you that because that's something they need. They're incentivizing you because they can't provide that effectively. So you taking on the risk and people forget to account for that for individual citizens, taking on the risk to provide, you know, rental housing to other citizens that there should be some type of reward, you know? So if that is incentivized by taxes, because there is risk to it and that keeps the government from having to provide all that housing. So, and that's not the, I mean, that's just the easy example for me because I'm more familiar. And that's that's a great example. It's a great example because if you could incentivize people to own, but also provide housing for people who are in effect renting, that's right. a double win in a lot of ways. And it's like, you know, very similar to a small business owner. Yes, they're running a business, which is great for mm-hmm. people that are receiving the, the services of the business. But at the same time, if they're employing other people and providing, you know, uh, compensation for that person to live, then go buy property themselves, their employee, that trickle down effect is the the nicest trickle down effect that I could think of, you know, without referencing, you know, economists and and Reaganomics and all these different things that people throw out there all the time. It's like, okay, well, I have, okay, I get the trickle down effect, but that trickle down effect at some point, if we just get back to the basics, Mm -hmm. you have to incentivize the person who's starting the trickle, (laughs) right? you you know, and whether it's in the example that you use or just a classic small business owner, if you're a small business owner, you start out as a sole proprietorship. Everybody who sells anything in this world is a sole proprietorship by default. You get a chance to choose your tax structure, whether you move towards a limited liability company, LLC, S corp, partnership, et cetera, there's different tax incentives depending on what type of business and how large and scalability that might be really beneficial for you as right. a business owner. You should have that yeah. because you're going out on a limb and starting a business. Right. <laughs> you should right. have that and providing a service to other people. You should have help. Now, yes. it doesn't necessarily mean help in the form of here's some cash, 
Right. But it might mean help in the form of, well, we're going to give you incentive from a tax standpoint to understand how to control your own tax liability. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's huge. And I, I know I've, uh, back to building that team. I know I've, uh, text you or my accountant several times, like I'll randomly for things like I know, uh, a year before last or whatever, when I was trying to decide on vehicles, like, Hey Devin, like what do you oh, think yeah. tax incentive for the yeah. Tesla versus should I get the SUV? Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's cool because, uh, once you build a relationship with people, like, I mean, that's, really like that's not the thing that like a financial advisor does but i like that building relationships to the point where i can get your personal input you know your personal perspective as well as your professional where it's like hey yeah. professionally this this but it's not enough difference to to matter if you like yeah. one or another you know that's awesome right you're getting see the forest through the trees yeah, yeah that's true but it doesn't really matter yeah yeah you know yeah. i i always thought if i was in the if i was selling cars and that was what i did and selling luxury cars and high-end yeah. cars i would know the tax code like yeah. the back of my hand 100%. so when somebody who has the money comes in here this is what you get and this is why people do this yeah if you like the car we could get this going right now you know yeah. i mean it's that easy i'm not sure how many people you know, know that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But if I was, if I was in that world, I would know the tax code like the back of my hand, because that could help along those benchmarks of decision-making, getting clear with the goals that could help execute on a decision very easily. Yeah. It is. And yeah, well, knowing the taxes. last year I had a, a little different situation from the, when I first, first met you. So last year, you know, I had to do two years being self-employed, you know, I had to do two years of, uh, get two tax returns before I could really, you know, purchase another property, you know, with conventional financing. So at the beginning of last year, it was like literally this week, a year ago, talking with my accountant because I'm like, all right, cool. This is it. Like, let's file these. Now I'm ready to, you know, I need to buy another property. Right. And then we had to, again, putting them, the teams together, instead of me going back and forth, I just put her in contact with my lender and I'm like, tell her what I need. So we actually took away some of the, like didn't claim some of the deductions to make sure it's like, Hey, make sure that, you know, I need to show enough what, you know, to purchase whatever monetary value I need, but let's not overdo it. Let's still get in, you know, I don't want to pay too many taxes, but at the same time, let's, you know, got to show enough input. So it's kind of interesting. That, that, yeah. What you just said there, that's great stuff, Jay, because people, when they get these teams, you know, mm-hmm. they find out how, you know, if the teams are worth their salt and they're able to communicate together, they find out how they, as the business owner or client in the relationship, could then quarterback the situation and yeah. say, here's what I want to do. Okay, guys, <laughs> I'm okay with a couple concessions here or there, but yeah. this is the the structure of what I want to do. Can you guys shoot some holes in this and let me know how to accomplish that? Right. And then you just end up on a CC. And that's yeah. what happened at the end of the year where we're just talking back and forth with tax accountants. I mean, literally, this was our last month. We're yeah. on tax. We're talking with tax accountants and estate planning attorneys. That's it. Yeah. The client is just CC'd there and chiming in if they don't like what's happening right. or just confirming that they like the direction or yeah. adding something into the equation that maybe somebody might have missed or needs to get a little bit more clarity on. But they're really just driving the quarterbacking, the head coaching relationship, and the yeah. players on the field are, are actually executing the plays. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's That's the best way to do it, in my opinion. No, a hundred percent, because let let all the people that 
know, you know, that particular piece of the pie, you know, do that, right. do their piece. Yeah. And I know when we, we talk about like, you know, you know how we run our, our team. So it, you know, it is a team. Our company is a team and it is yeah. run that way. It's not just a team because we have multiple people. We have, right certain roles that people do, you know, uh, that's what they do better than the other things, you know, or they're better than someone else. So everyone has a role. We do work as a team, but the other part, when we market, I don't think people, um, always understand that, like, and we've talked about this before, there's a team with our team as well. So that's the yes. cool part too, because we've already built the relationships and the trust with certain people that have proven to us that one, they're like hearted as far as caring about what's going on in other people's lives, caring that people reach their goals and stuff. So that was the other thing is because a great benefit for us and for, for the people that work with us is we put them in touch. They get our team too. So if they have that yeah. questions, like, they hey, get you, but you didn't get your Devin. team. Hit up Devin, hit up Emery, hit up the, you know, like here's a lender, here's this person, here's, you know, all these things. And even if they're not doing, like it, it's been phenomenal because even if they aren't doing business with you guys, everyone is always so helpful with providing information. And I'm sure that ends up becoming a client down the road anyway, because when you provide yeah. good info and you help them, eventually they're going to come to you um, because they're going to succeed in what they set out to do the first time and go, wow, okay. The, these steps tend to work, you know? Well, and, and yeah, and I, I think the altruism, right, when you're running a, a team with high trust and, and high care, like we've been talking about, when we last did a film segment together, I remember yeah. we were all talking about it. And, you know, it's like the team that you build there, when you're able to introduce these people to a team, you're able to to let go in a lot of ways and get your hands free for you to decide what's next to do within the relationship. But you have the trust that those team members are then going to be able to execute and handle things within the same logic and guise and intellectual capacity that you might be operating. If you were that person in that particular space as right. well. And I think that that's a subtle, unique thing from a relationship standpoint and building some of these teams is when you refer people out and you build a team mm -hmm. and some of it's, you know, when there's really tight teams, extensions of teams, you're thinking about, does this person that I'm communicating with right now, let's call it client, are they going to jive well and match with that person that we're going to introduce them to? Right. Regardless of whether this person is smart over here and is capable is this person going to like this person? And yes. so you get into some of these subjective layers of building these teams and you're trying to be really thoughtful teams within teams like you're talking about. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to match make in a lot of ways and figure out who is the best person that we could recruit for this right. team within a team so that we're handling some of the conversation ahead of time and the headwinds that we're going to yeah. naturally run into and tailwinds where right. I'm not going to have to call that other team within a team member and say, Hey, that's not how we operate. Yeah. You could have the confidence and say, Hey, no, they're going to do a great job. And those people do come back around. I think what we were talking about in the last, mm -hmm. you know, film segment that we did um, a while back with Maya there was when these people come back around, if we're able altruistically to provide free information that is reputable and there's a segment of, of truth there that needs to be had. If we're able to provide that, that is the biggest commodity right now. Valuable, true 
free information. There's right. nothing more amazing than getting or receiving something like that. Yeah, that really changes you know people's lives in a lot of ways. And maybe that's the entry point. Maybe they're not ready at that point, mm -hmm. but maybe that's the entry point a year from now because they remember seeing that film or seeing that post or whatever it is, or you're within that, you know, wheelhouse of communication, you know, with that person, whether it's on an email or whatever it is. And they right. come back around because eventually people will need to do things like buy homes, handle their finances, make decisions. And then the, the last thing I would just add on there is a lot of times people think by not making a decision. Yeah that they're waiting and they're saying, I'm not going to make a decision. Yeah. That's not true. You just made a decision. Yeah. If you not waited, <laughs> not making a decision, that's a decision in itself. Right. So say, I'm right. not going to make a decision on that this year. Well, guess what? You just made one. <laughs> yeah. You just made one. There's no exactly. two ways about it. You just made your decision. Your decision was to do nothing. That's a decision. Exactly. And that's or sometimes wait. the scariest. Not do nothing as negative. Wait. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. Well, and sometimes not making a decision is, is also a decision to fail. Like there's one, there's one not yeah. making decisions like, Hey, I'm waiting because maybe there's certain circumstances you're waiting to get information or certain yeah. things to make a decision. And then there's others of like burying your head in the sand and not facing that you need to make a decision. Um, that's the dangerous one, you know? And I think we've all been guilty of that at certain points in our life too. I know I have yeah. for sure. Like, uh, I don't even yeah. want to look at this right now. <laughs> You know, is it is an interesting one that was here in December and, and these the individuals are okay, but we were doing some investment insurance planning for this couple and, you know, they just had their first child and one of them runs a small business and, um, they had said, well, I, 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 I can't make a decision on this life insurance piece right now. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, that's fine. That is your decision though this year. You know, right. um, we are recommending that you get some basic coverage because you plan on buying a property out in, you know, Nevada in the next, you know, XYZ time frame. You have a child, you guys are married, you run a small business, there's a lot of liability on the line. Right. But that's your decision. So yeah. they're okay right now, but they in December had COVID. Oh. So they call us and say, Hey, uh, we need life insurance. Guess what? that life insurance is not available anymore because there's no way an insurance company is going to pick up a claim right now with somebody going through COVID. Right. There's, you know, a three to six month, depending on the carriers essentially. And this is mm -hmm. actually real in the state of California, different States are different, but there's generally a three to six month delay on insurance planning of many lines of different insurance, life insurances being one of them. If somebody has come down with COVID. Right. And so basically you need to be free and clear for three months and that is a great conversation to pick back up with them in three to six months, you know, right. assuming that everything continues to go great. But that was a real decision that got real for them. Their lack of decision, they realized, I know when they picked up the phone and said, hey, we made a poor decision. Right. Um, they knew that they made that decision. But originally, they acted as if they weren't making a decision. We're not going to yeah. make a decision on that yet, this year. Yeah. Their we'll language totally changed. They, right. they said over the phone, hey, we made a poor decision. We're ready to pull the trigger on that insurance planning. Right. You know, that decision, you know, that's not an option right now, unfortunately, but we'll fall back up. Uh, you know, the, as far as that option, that's a good thing with a lot of, you know, anyone listening, because you know, obviously a lot of our listeners are like active duty or veterans stuff, but a, a, active duty yeah. wise. Oh, yeah. That's a good time, time to start learning because I did not, as we know, like, again, like I, I'm 
I freely share all my mistakes on here or as many of them as I can say in public, probably things that I didn't do properly. And one was, you know, it was like career, career, work, work, deploy, deploy. And then it wasn't until after I left where I'm like, oh crap, now I need to figure out how to operate in this outside world. You know, um, things like insurance, like life insurance. I just never even, I knew it was there. I just never even researched or nothing. So So many things are by default taken care of in the great system that is the military. I mean, so many incredible things are, are at people's fingertips. Right. Um, you know, it's a great point that you bring up, whether it's the insurance side, like you're talking about Mm -hmm. or the investment side, you know, I think this is a direct, you know, segment of the piece that is being pushed out and really relevant in the current, uh, current juncture here at the turn of the year. Right. This should be a plug for a lot of, you know, people that you work with who are either in the military right now Mm -hmm. or have transitioned out. Yeah from TSP on what to do with that when you're out yes, to the TSP on what you need to be doing when you're in based on the recent default changes right. within the TSP platform, mm-hmm. as well as insurance planning, if need be, yes. uh, but also understanding how to utilize the VA loan with teams, like saving mm-hmm. with a team over here, understanding a tax account, executing on the different situations, the the myriad of different situations that arise in your world. Right. This is the best time to talk with anybody who is either one in the military right now Mm -hmm. or two had left the military in the last two years. So if that is anybody who's listening to this podcast right here, you need to talk with Jay or a professional financial professional, someone in my spot or a tax accountant because of the recent changes that are going on within that system of calling right. TSP, et cetera, sure. but also how that affects right the, within the given macro changes mm-hmm. that made to the tax code, like we've been talking about. So right. it's a really important time to talk with a lot of these people. And we have been working uh, very heavily right now with the Navy mm-hmm. because we've been working with a lot of the physicians and the docs uh, down at Balboa's hospital right. in particular, you know, here in San Diego, we're, we're here. Um, yeah. so, you know, whether we're working with somebody in San Diego at the Navy or whether we're working with somebody in Camp Lejeune, you know, out in the Marines, you know, um, in the Carolinas, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for you guys, yeah. by the way, hey. if you're out there right now and you're hearing <laughs> this, uh, we're in San Diego and you, know, you can see how it is out here. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay. I'm sure the lake is nice out there, <laughs> but regardless, you know, yeah. And cold. <laughs> this needs to be a time where you get back to getting in touch with your own goals because the platform that's set in front of you, whether it's VA to TSP to insurance planning is so robust. Uh, if you don't look at it and get a clear cut design that backs into what you're doing, you'll settle for a default. And here's the scary part in a TSP mm-hmm. default is plugged into a government security. It's called the G yeah. fund. That is a money market account for everybody yes. who's out there. Yep. That is where your money goes if you do not select it within the TSP. That is a detriment if you are 30, 40, or 50 years old as a blanket statement because you mm-hmm. can't touch that to your 59 and a half, just like a 401k or any qualified tax advantage planning accounts, IRAs, 401ks, TSP, 
all the same within that guise of touching it to 59 and a half. So those people sitting in cash right now in a low interest rate environment who haven't done anything about it or haven't looked at their asset allocation and their TSP, mm-hmm. whether they're in or out, you don't want to backdate it and look at what you could have made this year in the stock oh, market. Right. We're not going to do that. But what you can do is get proactive and do something about it mm-hmm. for the upcoming head and tailwinds that will surely yeah. occur as, as they will for all time. The money market, does that even, that doesn't even account for the inflation, does it? Does it even cover no. inflation? No. So you're actually no. losing so, money? Oh, oh, you're losing money. And not only are you losing money, the unique thing about inflation, okay, is inflation is compounding. Mm-hmm. It's a compounding interest curve that is negatively going against you and eroding your dollars. So right. in retirement accounts, TSPs, IRAs are a great example, 401ks, they compound positively to negate the compounding effect negatively that's going on with inflation. And oh, by the way, we just printed not billions, but trillions of dollars. Yeah. So the net result of how that tailwind is going to play out over the next 20, 30 years is the cost of living, COLA, AKA inflation, Mm -hmm. that will go up. By printing money, we've devalued our currency here, regardless of what other people are doing. Our dollar is worth less today. And that feeling is going to be demonstrated mathematically by negative 3% inflation going up to maybe negative 4, negative 5. Negative 5% inflation one year plus the next year negative 5 inflation, that's not negative 10%. It's closer to negative 11.5% because of that compounding negative curve. So unless you do something to negate that and start accumulating wealth, you sit in a G fund because interest rates are low. It's a cash equivalent, AKA a money market account, a government security. That is 0% that you're getting in that account. But inflation is negative three, four or 5%. So in an account, retirement account that you could be positively generating double digit growth rate compounding, you're now generating over two or three years negative double-digit compounding growth rate. Very yeah. dangerous. I mean, it could destroy you. And that's where that plug goes for those people within the last two to three years who have gotten out of the military, mm-hmm. whether, you know, any branch. Call yeah. a professional. Yeah. Call somebody who knows what they're doing to handle this. Working with TSP, by the way, is like working with, you know, carrier pigeons. It's the worst. Yeah. I mean, they're still yeah, operating with faxes and snail mails and, you know. <laughs> <It's so bad. laughs> Like, did is. you get the pigeon? It's like, no, I didn't get the pigeon, man. Just send an email. I'll send another one. <laughs> but they're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, we'll send yeah. another one. I'm like, okay. What a great conversation so far. Tune in next week as we continue this episode with Devin and Jay.